The title of my message this morning is America, God Shed His Grace on Thee. It is my prayer in this hour. It is the question I'm asking God in this hour. I'm asking for His grace for our nation. Although America is just one nation, a colony in God's kingdom, and God loves the whole world, it is a crucial time in the United States of America. I still believe in this country. I still believe in the principles it was founded on. And I'm still grateful for the men and women of all races and religion that shed their blood for this nation. The lyrics to America the Beautiful were written by Catherine Lee Bates, a professor from Massachusetts. And she was traveling to Colorado Springs to teach a summer internship. And she passed the Purple Mountains Majesties and the Rockies and the beautiful landmarks of this great nation. And she wrote, America the Beautiful, God shed his grace on thee and crowned thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. As I read those lyrics that were released in the late 1800s and many rewrites took place in the early 1900s, I can't help but think of the kingdom of God. When it says, crown thy good, crowns are for kings and priests. And if we know Jesus, then the Bible says we are sons and daughters and kings and priests. Amen. Amen. My faith is not in either candidate in this season. It is in Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. My text this morning is Isaiah chapter 59. We'll begin with verse 1 and we'll move through that chapter. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. We've got to believe, and we've got to ask, and we cannot fear. Verse 2, but your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perversity. No one calls for justice, nor does any plead for the truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. This text is from the third major section of the book of Isaiah. This reflects the situation in Israel, but it could also reflect the current state of the United States of America. Israel has just returned from Babylonian exile in 538 B.C., and a major shift of power has taken place. Cyrus the Persian has overthrown the Babylonians. A new type of leader has been installed and he established the Persian Empire in Isaiah 44 and 45. 
Cyrus was a much more loving and lenient ruler than what he got credit for. He issued a decree in 538 B.C. that allowed the Israelites to return to their homeland. In spite of the promises of the prophets and the scholars of that day, there was no mass exodus back to Israel. They were reluctant to return home, to return to the things of God. They were unwilling to leave. There were problems in the street. There were new issues up for debate. There were no city walls. There were riots in the street. There was no central government. There was very little leadership. Laws weren't being enforced. Does this sound familiar, church? There was no temple. Religious freedoms were taken away. Apathy, indifference, and cynicism grew and grew until the people lost sight of who God really was and how much he loved them. People began to doubt the future. And there were four things that took place in these chapters. The first is the people rebelled against God. We, as Americans, have rebelled against the things of God and the principles of God. The next thing that took place was God raised up a new leader and a prophet and many other prophets to speak the truth. So the truth is what sets you free. The truth was spoken and the people confessed their sins And just like God always does, he reacted with grace and mercy. We serve a grace and mercy God. We serve a loving Savior. We serve a redeeming God. And if we will confess our sins and we will humble ourselves and pray, God will give us an abundance of grace and mercy in this hour. I believe it with all of my heart. Amen. Isaiah 59 verse 14 says this, Justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off for truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. So truth fails and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his own arm brought salvation for him and his own righteousness it sustained him. For he put righteousness on as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, The coastlands he will fully repay, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. We're at a crucial point in American history. We have an election facing us between two diametrically opposite ideas for how our country should look act, think, worship, war, and survive. For the last 20 years, things have gotten worse and worse with every administration. Ungodliness has ruled the political landscape. 
And the quote that got me to preach this message this morning was from Martin Luther. If I don't speak to what the devil is doing now, I have become a traitor to the Lord, no matter how noble my intentions. My faith, as I said, is in Jesus Christ. It's not in any human being. It is in Jesus Christ. But I must ask you, my friend, where are you in this hour? Are you praying? Are you in the Word? Where is your faith? Who have you put your faith and trust in? Is it in God or is it in government? Because it needs to be in God. Truth is hard to find in the streets, just like in the days of Isaiah and King Cyrus. God's word is no longer welcome in government or Ivy League schools. These Ivy League schools were founded on Christian ethics. The Harvard motto was truth for Christ and his church. And now you can't even teach the principles of Christ in certain universities Accursed be all learning that sets itself in opposition to the cross of Christ, Reverend John Witherspoon, president from long ago of Princeton University. We have seen our freedoms taken away like never before in this nation. There are many critical issues on the ballot this year. Clear differences in strategy and in values for our nation. The first one is socialism versus capitalism. Socialism is of the belief that the government can take better care of you than you can take care of yourself. This belief has failed minorities, inner cities, and rural areas in the countryside for generation after generation. It's failed in every country it's ever been implemented. Look at the high crime, education statistics, Fatherless homes. It is an absolute nightmare to get your driver's license renewed. And we want the government to control our health care when we can have church. Are you absolutely kidding me? Socialism is devoid of fundamental faith in God. It places government on the throne that God should be on. Our nation will not survive it. Not even if we take baby steps towards it. One definition of socialism is a transitional state between the overthrow of capitalism and the realization of communism. It's failed everywhere it's been implemented. Capitalism, while sometimes allowing for greed and ungodliness, which socialism does as well, it gives people the opportunity to work, to grow, to make their own path. It puts a faith that God can take you from a field to a palace, from the inner city to the hospital performing brain surgery on someone. It's a belief that you are in control of your destiny and that faith can propel you into a future that God predestined for you. It promotes stewardship, generosity, economic and social advancement, and offers individual a path out of poverty. 
Dr. Adrian Rogers, the late Adrian Rogers from Bellevue Baptist, a mentor to my father, said this, you cannot legislate the poor into freedom by legislating the wealthy out of freedom. What one person receives without working for, another person must work for without receiving. The government cannot give to anybody anything that the government does not first take from somebody else. When half of the people get the idea that they do not have to work because the other half is going to take care of them, and when the other half gets the idea that it does no good to work because somebody else is going to get what they've worked for, that, my dear friend, is about the end of any nation. You cannot multiply wealth by dividing it. Socialism versus capitalism. It's on the ballot and it's your choice. Abortion and the Supreme Court. When I saw how Amy Comey Barrett was treated as a Christian woman with kids she's adopted from other countries with an impeccable record, how she was mistreated because of her faith, not because of her character, her faith, how she was attacked. I was ashamed. I was ashamed for this country. You ought to be ashamed too, regardless of what party you are registered as. We are allowing people to be attacked and made fun of because of their faith. We have forgotten where we came from. We went from civil debates about choice in this country, about when life begins in the first trimester, or when the earlobe hits oxygen, to now advocating for the murder of a child after it has been born. As decent members of society, it should chill us to the bone when upon passing a law codifying the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision into New York law, the state legislature erupted into applause and cheering. One assemblyman, the very Democrat who co-sponsored the bill, went as far as to say he found the response offensive. The people who share this view, that babies in the womb don't matter, that a baby can be born and murdered, that its life doesn't count, have gone too far. Even science supports that life begins with a heartbeat. Heartbeat represents life. A woman's right to choose early in the pregnancy wasn't enough. Now we've moved to third trimester abortion after the child has been born. I can't support it. I won't vote for it. Ever. I don't see how a Christian... can vote for this simply because we don't like someone's personality or the tone of their voice. You will not be held accountable for the personality you vote for, but you will be held accountable for the principles you vote for, my friend. My Bible says you formed my inward parts. 
You covered me in my mother's womb. King David said, I was brought forth in iniquity and in my sin, my mother conceived me. God can make a way out of no way. You've heard Regina Block's powerful testimony in this church. And you've heard my friend Adam Connor's testimony being a product of rape, but finding purpose in Jesus. I'm believing a God that can create a special and wonderful future for anyone, regardless of what they're born into. That's what we call faith, my friend. And that is the cornerstone of our belief system. Woe unto them, Isaiah would say earlier in the book, chapter 5, that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Abortion in the Supreme Court is on the ballot. Socialism versus capitalism is on the ballot. And the future response to the pandemic, it's also on the ballot. Why have you chosen these? Because after watching the debates and watching the news, multiple different networks, these are the things that we're all voting for or against. There are other things, absolutely. These are the th three things, three or four things I see the candidates running on. It was clear from the debates, as well as some previous statements, that Vice President Biden believes the virus is getting worse and that our nation needs to remain socially distanced, closed in some places, and masks should be mandated with potential pen penalties for those who don't wear them. It's not an argument. These are clear differences. Churches can remain closed. Businesses can suffer. Children can attend online classes all in the hope that this strategy will defeat this deadly virus in due time. I don't know what God wants to do. But from someone who's done two funerals for people that have overdosed because of isolation and someone who's done the funeral of an 84-year-old veteran that died of COVID that his family gave us this, I think I can speak to this. We need faith in this season. Not foolishness, but faith. It's on the ballot. President Trump believes we need to get a vaccine to the people as soon as possible. Both candidates believe this. But he wants the country to be kept open and people to get back to work. He said repeatedly that the cure cannot be worse than the virus. Who truly knows the right course of action for a pandemic? I'm not claiming to. Scientists and medical professionals contradict each other and themselves almost every day. Wear masks, don't wear masks, distance, six feet's not enough, go to 12 feet, open, close. But when I saw our Jewish friends celebrating one of their feasts and the authorities knock on their door because they had too many people in the home without a mask, I knew something was wrong in this country. Christians need to be wise. 
We need to have faith in God. We do need to listen to science. But we're not to be fearful. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Do we believe in eternal life or not? What's the worst going to happen to you if you're saved? You die and get to spend eternity with Jesus? The reason why there's such a panic in this pandemic is because the people who are panicking don't have faith in the afterlife. They're fighting for this life. Well, I'm a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I got people in heaven. I got friends in heaven. I'm not scared of this. And you ought not be either. It's clear. The CDC reported in September that 94% of all COVID deaths had underlying medical conditions. Most were very serious. In our own church, in Abbas House, I've had families who lost loved ones to heart conditions and cancer who were actually asked if they would mind if COVID was listed along with the other issues as to the cause of death. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. It's a real virus. My son has had it. I've done funerals for people who've died of it. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. However, we can't hide from this forever. When 99% of people under 25 get well almost instantly. And 94% of all people that don't have underlying health conditions get better. Do we really want to shut everything down again? It's on the ballot. The future response to this pandemic is on the ballot. Next, social justice is on the ballot. Let me be clear, racism of any kind is a sin and a stain on our nation and it will not be tolerated in this church, not today, not tomorrow, ever. Racism is a sin. Our country has made many mistakes in the past that we need to repent of. Both candidates, both have said racially insensitive things that I don't agree with. Racism is wrong, regardless of whether it comes out of a Republican's mouth, a Democrat's mouth, or a Libertarian's mouth, or anything in between. It's wrong, and it shouldn't be tolerated. And we should stand against it as Christians, like this church has. After the George Floyd murder, I had the privilege of standing with every race of pastors, some Republican, some Democrat, and speaking out against racism. I will continue to do that. You may ask, Pastor Ronnie, do you believe either one of the candidates are truly racist? Bear with me. Joe Biden has not only said insensitive things, he has co-sponsored and voted for racist laws in his past, such as the 1994 crime bill and the 1996 crime bills, stop and frisk, which promoted racism. He supported segregation and he has even supported KKK members in his past. However, I believe he learned from that and I believe his heart is warm to minorities. Former President Obama seemed to believe in him. I believe you can learn from your sins and grow as an individual. 
But also, President Trump has said things that I don't agree with or that could have been said better. However, if he is a racist, he is probably the worst racist ever. In 1976, he won the Humanitarian Award from the National Jewish Health Organization. In 1983, the Tree of Life Award from the Jewish National Fund. In 1986, the Ellis Island Award with two people you might have heard of, Rosa Parks from Montgomery, Alabama, who refused to sit in the back of the bus, and Muhammad Ali. In 1998, Reverend Jesse Jackson praised then-businessman Donald Trump for his support of his Rainbow Push Coalition's initiative called the Wall Street Project, which aimed to help minority-owned businesses. Jesse Jackson has been extremely quiet the last four years. Perhaps you should do some research on why that is. You should ask Jesse who supported him and wrote the check when he ran for president. In 2018, Alveda King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s niece, said President Trump is not a racist. What is so outrageous to call a man racist who continues to acknowledge the significant work of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in a positive way, he puts his money where his mouth is. Historically, black college and universities were dying, forgotten, and our president gave them $250 million a year. My favorite football player of all times is Deion Sanders, and he turned down Division I offers to go coach an HBCU. That would have never happened if they weren't given the funding to rebuild and relaunch. The lowest African-American unemployment in history prior to COVID. Dr. Ben Carson, who came from the inner city, a tremendous brain surgeon, was named Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Jerome Adams was the first African-American to ever be our Surgeon General of the United States, African-American, nominated by President Trump. Elaine Chao, Asian, is the Secretary of Transportation Hannibal Ware, another African-American, is the Inspector General of the Small Business Administration. President's daughter is married to a Jewish man. He has Jewish grandchildren. Do I agree with the things he said? No. But can I say that either one of the candidates are racist? No, I can't make that call. Only God knows their heart. After so much lip service from prior presidents, President Trump, recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and moved the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. The question is yours. Who do you think will rebuild the inner cities? Who do you think will do the most for minorities? A 47-year veteran or a businessman trying to finish his life well? your call. But I've also been impressed with the wonderful men and women of color that have been invited to the White House, put on committees, people that vote Democrat. Not only the men and women, but the wonderful ministers, heroes of mine, Bishop Harry Jackson, Bishop Del Bronner, countless other African-American pastors from around the country, even those that probably won't vote for the president. 
have been invited and received a place at the table. Not only ministers and men and women, but business moguls. Recently, I don't know if you saw this or not, really the godfather of gangster rap, Ice Cube, who wrote the song against police brutality. He's a Muslim. We don't agree. Our faiths are different. He came up along with another group of hip-hop musicians and rappers, and they came up with a platinum plan to put $500 billion into dying inner cities and raise it up. He called both candidates, their administration, Joe Biden's administration said, oh, we'll get to you after the election. Trump administration said, no, let's meet now. And immediately took some of that plan and started to implement it. Ice Cube was on CNN and spoke in favor of the diversity of our president and was banned from CNN. And has since been silenced. They better check themselves before they wreck themselves. That's some uncrucified gangster rap flesh coming up from the 90s. Just, just forgive me. Just, just forgive me. But I want to see a leader that brings everybody together. Even people that hate them or don't agree with them, they're given a seat at the table. That's leadership. Freedom is on the ballot. Freedom is on the ballot. Other issues are on the ballot I don't have time to get to. Climate change, LGBTQ rights, the Second Amendment, religious freedom. God created mankind in his image. And when he did that, he created us with a free will. This means as Christians, we are free to make our own choices, good or bad. But we have to live with the consequences of those choices. And I don't believe, and I've never believed, you can legislate morality. In other words, I don't believe you can force people into being moral people. You can't do it. But the First Amendment of the Constitution guarantees that we, as Americans, have the right to speak truth to power. And for Christians, this means the prince of the power of the air, the enemy. Here's how I roll. You do you as long as it doesn't hurt anybody because this is a free country. Whether it lines up with my faith or not, you have the freedom to be you in this country. But don't take away my freedom to preach the Bible and to walk in kingdom authority. Freedom is free. It's for everybody. You can't silence one group and call it freedom. Everybody has the freedom to vote, to share their opinions. This is America. And I can promise you this, I'm not going to hate you. If you vote differently than me, or if you think differently than me, I'm going to love you and we can get people saved together and we can advance God's kingdom. I'm not going to hate you and you shouldn't hate me. That's the greatness of our nation. I think Ronald Reagan said it best. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodline. 
It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same, or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States where men and women were free. So what do we do with all this? Number one, vote for your freedom. Freedom to love who you want and preach what you want. Freedom to live in safety and freedom to peacefully protest. Vote for freedom. Christians are people of freedom. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Give me the freedom to preach the truth in love. And you have the freedom to worship and do what you want as long as it doesn't hurt someone or break the law. I say vote for freedom. Amen. Our freedoms were paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ and the American soldier from Valley Forge to Yorktown to Gettysburg to Normandy to Iwo Jima to Korea to Vietnam to Iraq to Afghanistan and even the lives that were given on September 11th. Blood was shed so that we could indeed live free and fully alive and we ought to honor the men and women who died for our freedoms. We honor Jesus. Vote for your freedom. Number two, vote for your faith. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. We must have faith. Faith is believing in that which you can't see. You've got to walk in fullness and in power, but you've got to believe no matter who wins the election that God is still on the throne. You know what I'm going to do the day after the election? I'm going to get up and do kingdom. Why don't you do it with me? Amen. The church is still going to be the church, still going to be the embassy. The gospel is still going to set people free. And the Holy Spirit is still going to empower my soul and empower your soul. My faith is not in this colony or a human being. Finally, I challenge you to vote for your future. Vote for your future. Where does it start if you want a better future? This is what Isaiah chapter 59 says. It starts with repentance. Revival starts with you, not with everybody else. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. I don't care what you've done, my friend, or how far you've gone, or what they've said about you, or what you were born into. The Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. And his ear is not heavy, so he cannot hear. Your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. You must confess your sins. Repent. Metanoia means to change your mind. Quit praying for the nation to repent. You repent. Starts with you. Get the junk out of your life. Repent of your sins. Next, we as a nation and as a church, we need to return to God. Isaiah 59, verse 13 through 16. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off. Truth is fallen in the street. It's absent in the street. And equity cannot enter, so truth fails. And he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. But here's the good news. Somebody stay with me. We're about to land this thing. Then the Lord saw it. I'm praying that the Lord would see this this week. I'm praying that the prayers of God's people would get his attention like never before. Then the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. 
He saw that there was no man and wondered why there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him. Our only hope is Jesus Christ. Our only hope is Jesus Christ. And his own righteousness, it sustained him. Repent of your sins, church. Return to a loving God and receive peace from the Father. I know many of you, you're chewing your nails off. You're so worried about the election. Put your faith in Jesus. Repent of your sins, return to God, and receive shalom, receive peace that passes all understanding. God's got this. We will get the president we deserve. We will get the president we deserve. How do we receive peace? Everybody stand on your feet. Here's my commitment to you as your pastor, and I believe this is the attitude and the spirit of every Christian, or it should be in this season. Number one, I will honor those in authority. Everyone must submit to governing authorities, Romans 13. All authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. I give you my word. I'm going to honor those in authority. You can go back through my social media. You won't find one time where I've dishonored a president. Not this one, not the previous one. I don't believe in it. First Peter says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. Number two, I promise to honor and pray for whoever is named president. I will. I'll honor and pray for whoever is named president, but I will not compromise the word of God for them. Either one of them. I will help those in need, regardless of who wins this election. I will help those in need, and this church will help those in need, regardless of how they vote. We're going to love people. And finally, I'll hold on to the hope that Jesus gives. Why? Because Revelation 1, verse 7, Behold, He's coming in the clouds, and every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of Him. And the Bible says, Every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is coming back for a church. Luke tells us we must be ready. He's coming back at an hour we do not know. So we've got to do what the people of Israel did there in Isaiah. We've got to repent of our sins. We've got to return to God. And we've got to receive peace by being led by the Holy Spirit. I'm challenging you to do those three things in this season. Shift your focus back to God. Clean yourself up. And allow the Holy Spirit to bring shalom into your life. And if you'll do that, I believe you'll experience freedom that Jesus paid for. That's what you need. If you're watching this, you don't care anything about politics. Most of the time I don't either. But you know you need Jesus. You know you need peace. You know you've got sin in your life. And you don't even have time to judge anybody else because you know you're a mess and you don't want to live. I want you to know that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you can be saved, my friend. You can be guaranteed faith in an eternity with Jesus. You need Jesus. Forget politics. You need the Prince of Peace. And if you're watching and you need Jesus, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Or if you're in the house and you're lost, you don't know where you'd go if you died today, where you'd spend eternity. I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Abba's house, help me. Dear Lord Jesus, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Please come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use me for your glory. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to go to the Abbas House app. I want you to register your salvation decision with me or you can email me at prayer at abbashouse.com. Please do that. Please do that. We want to know who you are so we can help you get started in your relationship with Christ. If you want to join Abbas House today and become a part of our spiritual family, you can also do that at the Abbas House app on your smart device. You can go there. You can join our church, whether it's our online community or our local church. You can do it. Go now and do it. Say, I want to be connected with the house of grace. But for the rest of you, you need peace. So before we go back into worship to close, I just want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, we will honor those in authority. We'll pray for whoever wins this election. We'll love people. We'll serve people. We'll preach your word. Lord, I ask for shalom to cover this house and to cover our region and to cover our nation. Peace, Lord. Not anxiety, not fear, not rioting, but peace. Shalom. Lord, teach us to love people we disagree with. Lord, teach us to walk as one, not divided. Teach us to agree to disagree and to still maintain our love for one another. Lord, I ask for peace to come on this house and on people as they exercise their right to vote. But Lord, I pray that the perspective would shift from a president to you and peace would come in this season for your people. Lord, we're thankful that we are connected to a kingdom that cannot be shaken and that the victory is ours. You already won the victory regardless of what happens this week. You won the victory and we are victors. Lord, bless this house and this nation and this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us worship God and let peace come. Let shalom come. Let the spirit of the living God come right now on your life. Just receive it. Just receive it.